0: chapter eleven part two of love among the artists by george bernard shaw this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter eleven part two herbert's old admiration of her stirred within him intensified by the remorse which he felt for having himself acted as she was blaming herself for acting he was annoyed too because now that circumstances had tested them equally she had done the right thing and he the wrong thing he had always been sincere in his protest that she thought too highly of him but he had never expected to come out of any trial meanly in comparison with her he thought of aurlie with a sudden dread that perhaps she saw nothing more in him than this situation had brought out but he maintained by habit all his old air of thoughtful superiority as he took up the conversation mary he said earnestly i have never thought more highly of you than i do at this moment but whatever you feel to be the right course for us is the right course i have not been quite unprepared for this and since it will make you happy i am content to lose you as a wife provided i do not lose you as a friend i shall always be proud to be your friend she said offering him her hand he took it feeling quite noble again now we are both free she continued and i can wish for your happiness without feeling heavily responsible for it and adrian when we were engaged you gave me some presents and wrote me some letters may i keep them i shall be very much hurt if you return them though i suppose you have a right to do so if you wish i will keep them then they clasped hands once more before she resumed in her ordinary tone I wonder, has Miss Cairns been waiting for me all this time? On the way back to the house, they chatted busily on indifferent matters. The servant who opened the door informed them that Miss Cairns was within. Mary entered, but Herbert did not follow. If you do not mind, he said, I think I had rather not go in. This seemed natural after what had passed. She smiled and bade him good goodbye. bye, Mary, he said. As the door closed on her, he turned towards Fitzroy Square but a feeling of being ill and out of conceit with himself made him turn back to a restaurant in oxford street where he had a chop and a glass of wine after this his ardor suddenly revived and he hurried towards Aurelie's residence by way of wells street he soon lost his way in the labyrinth between great portland and cleveland streets and at last emerged at portland road railway station knowing the way thence he started afresh for fitzroy square before he had gone many steps he was arrested by his mother's voice calling him she was coming from the station and overtook him in the euston road at the corner of southampton street what on earth are you doing in this quarter of the town he said stopping and trying to conceal how unwelcome the interruption was that is a question which you have no right to ask adrian people who have where are you going and what are you doing always in their mouths are social and domestic nuisances as i have often told you however i am going to buy some curtains in tottenham court road since you have set the example may i now ask where you are going i i am not going anywhere in particular just at present i only ask because you stopped as if you wished to turn down here do not let us stand in the street she went on and he accompanied her presently she said have you any news no he replied after pretending to consider i think not why i met mary sutherland with miss cairns in high street as i was coming to the train and she said that you had something to tell me about her it is only that our engagement is broken off adrian she exclaimed stopping so suddenly that a man walking behind them stumbled against her beg pardon mum said he civilly as he passed on pray take care mother remonstrated herbert come on do not be impatient adrian my dress is torn i believe english workmen are the rudest class in the world will you hold my umbrella for one moment please adrian took the umbrella and waited chafing when they started again mrs herbert walked quickly taking short steps it is thoroughly disheartening she said to find that you have undone the only sensible thing you ever did in your life i thought your news would be that you would arrange for the wedding i think you had better see mary as soon as you can and make up your foolish quarrel she is not a girl to be trifled with everything of that kind is at an end between mary and me there is no quarrel the affair is broken off finally completely whether it pleases you or not very well adrian there is no occasion for you to be angry i am content if you are i merely say that you have done a very foolish thing you do not know what i have done you know absolutely he checked himself and walked on in silence adrian said mrs herbert with dignity you are going back to your childish habits i think you are in a rage if i am he replied bitterly you are the only person alive who takes any pleasure in putting me into one i know that you consider me a fool i do not consider you a fool at any rate mother You have such an opinion of me that I would rather discuss my private affairs with any stranger than with you. Where do you intend to buy the curtains? Mrs. Herbert did not help him to change the subject. She remained silent for some time to compose herself, for Adrian's remark had hurt her. I hope, she said at last, that these musical people have not brought about this quarrel or breach or whatever it is. Who are these musical people? Mr. Jack he had nothing whatever to do with it it was mary who proposed to break the engagement not i mary oh well it is your own fault you should have married her long ago but why should she object now more than another time has mademoiselle the pianist anything to do with it with mary's withdrawing no how could it possibly concern mademoiselle ses if it is of her that you are speaking it is of her that i am speaking i see she has taught you the balked sneeze with which her name begins i call her Schimplitza, not having had the advantage of her tuition where does she live herbert felt that he was caught and frowned she lives in fitzroy square he said shortly ah indeed said mrs herbert then she added sarcastically do you happen to know that we are within a minute's walk of fitzroy square i know it perfectly well i am going there to see her adrian said his mother quickly changing her tone you don't mean anything serious i hope you do not hope that i am trifling with her do you mother mrs herbert looked at him startled do you mean to say adrian that you have thrown mary over because because it's well to be off with the old love before you are on with the new you may put that construction on it if you like although i have told you that it was mary and not i who broke the engagement i had better tell you the whole truth now to avoid embittering our next meeting with useless complaints i am going to ask mademoiselle cyzimplica to be my wife you foolish boy she will not accept you she is making a fortune and does not need to marry she may not need to she wishes to that is enough for me she knows my mind i am not going to change it i suppose not i know of old your obstinacy when you are bent on ruining yourself I have no doubt that you will marry her particularly as she is not exactly the sort of person i should choose for a daughter-in-law will you expect me to receive her i shall trouble your house no more when i am married than i have done as a bachelor she shrank for a moment taken by surprise by this blow but she did not retort they presently stopped before the shop she wished to visit and as they stood together near the entry she made an effort to speak kindly and even put her hand caressingly on his arm. Adrian, do not be so headstrong. Just wait a little. I do not say give her up, but wait a little longer, for my sake. Adrian bent his brows and collected all his hardness to resist this appeal. Mother, he said, I never had a cherished project yet that you did not seek to defeat by sarcasms, by threats, and failing those by cajolery. Mrs. Herbert quickly took her hand away and drew back and it has always turned out that i was right and that you were wrong you would not allow that i could ever be a painter and yet i am now able to marry without your assistance by my success as a painter i took one step which gained your approval my engagement to marry had i married her i should be this day a wretched man now that i have the happiness to be loved by a lady whom all europe admires you would have me repudiate her for no other reason that i can see under heaven than that you make it your fixed principle to thwart me in everything i am sorry to have to tell you plainly that i have come to look upon your influence as opposed to my happiness it has been at the end of my tongue often and you have forced me to let it slip at last mrs herbert listened attentively during this speech and for some seconds afterwards then she roused herself made a gesture of acquiescence without opening her lips and went into the shop leaving him still angry yet in doubt as to whether he had spoken wisely but the interview had excited him and from it and all other goading thoughts he turned to anticipations of his reception by aurlie short though the distance was he drove to her in a hansom can i see miss sizimplica again he said to the servant who now received him with interest guessing that he came courting she's in the drawing-room sir you may go in he went in and found aurlie standing near the window in a black silk dress which she had put on since his visit in the morning mr erberts mum said the servant lingering at the door to witness their meeting aurlie turned made him a stately bow sat down and by a gesture invited him to sit also he obeyed but when the door was shut he got up and approached her aurlie she begged me to break the engagement although as you bade me i offered to fulfil it I am perfectly free, only for the instant, I hope. She rose gravely. Mademoiselle Szymplica, he added, changing his familiarly eager manner to one of earnest politeness. Will you do me the honour to become my wife? With pleasure, Monsieur Herbert, if my mother approves. He was not sure what he ought to do next. After a moment's hesitation, he stooped and kissed her hand. Catching a roguish expression in her face as he looked up, he clasped her in his arms and kissed her repeatedly enough monsieur she said laughing and disengaging herself he then sat down thinking that she had behaved with admirable grace and he himself with becoming audacity i thought you would expect me to be very cold and ceremonious she said resuming her seat composedly in england one must always be solemn i said to myself but indeed you have as little self-command as anyone. besides you have not yet spoken to my mother you do not anticipate any objection from her i hope how do i know and your parents what of them i have seen your mother she is like a great lady it is only in england that such handsome mothers are to be seen she is widowed is she not yes i have no father i wish to heaven i had no mother either oh monsieur herbert you are very wrong to say so and such a gracious lady too fie aurelie i am not jesting can you not understand that a mother and son may be so different in their dispositions that neither can sympathize with the other it is my great misfortune to be such a son i have found sympathetic friendship encouragement respect faith in my abilities and love here he slipped his arm about her waist and she murmured a remonstrance from strangers upon whom i had no claim in my mother i found none of them she felt nothing for me but a contemptuous fondness which i did not care to accept she is a clever woman impatient of sentiment and fond of her own way my father like myself was too diffident to push himself arrogantly through the world and she despised him for it thinking him a fool when she saw that i was like him she concluded that i too was a fool and that she must arrange my life for me in some easy lucrative genteel brainless conventional way i hardly ever dared to express the most modest aspiration or assert the most ordinary claims to respect for fear of exciting her quiet ridicule she did not know how much her indifference tortured me because she had no idea of any keener sensitiveness than her own everybody commits follies from youth and want of experience and i hope most people humour and spare such follies as tenderly as they can my mother did not even laugh at them she saw through them and stamped them out with open contempt she taught me to do without her consideration and i learned the lesson my friends will tell you that i am a bad son never that she is a bad mother or rather no mother she has the power of bringing out everything that is hasty and disagreeable in my nature by her presence alone this is why i wish i were wholly an orphan and why i ask you who are more to me than all the world besides to judge me by what you see of me, and not by the report you may hear of my behaviour towards my own people, oh, it is frightful, my God, to hate your mother if you do not love her, how will you love your wife with all the love my mother rejected, added to what you have yourself inspired, but I am glad you are surprised. You must be very fond of your own mother, that is so different, said Alie with a shrug. Mother and son is a sacred relation mothers and daughters are fond of one another in an ordinary way as a matter of course you must ask her pardon suppose she should curse you parental curses are out of fashion in england said adrian amused and yet a little vexed you will understand us better after a little while let us drop the subject of my old grievances are you fond of pictures Aurelie? you are forever asking me that yes i am very fond of some pictures i have seen very few but you have been in dresden in munich in paris yes but i was playing everywhere i had not a moment to myself i intended to go to the gallery in dresden but i had to put it off are there any good pictures at munich have you not seen them no i did not know of them when i was in paris i went one day to the louvre but i could only stay half an hour and i did not see much i used to be able to draw very well is it hard to paint it is the most difficult art in the world Aurelie. you are laughing at me why there are not a dozen players real players in europe and every city is full of painters real painters aurlie ah perhaps not i suppose there are second-rate painters just like second-rate players is it not so mr Mi- adrian you must not call me that Aurelie. people who like each other never say mister you say you used to draw Yes soldiers and horses and people whom we knew shall i draw you by all means how shall i sit profile you need not sit for me i am not going to copy you i am only going to make a little likeness i can draw dark men as well as fair you shall see she took a piece of music and set to work with a pencil on the margin in a minute she showed him two scratchy sketches vilely drawn but amusingly like herbert and jack i can just recognize myself he said examining them but that one of jack it's capital ha ha then he added sadly "Professed painter as i am i could not do that portraiture is my weak point but i would not have left dresden without seeing the madonna di San Sisto. bah looking at pictures cannot make me draw well no more than listening to others could make me play but indeed i would have gone to the gallery had i foreseen that i should meet you my god do not kiss me so suddenly it is droll to think of how punctilious and funereal you were the other day and now you have less manners than a cossack are you easily offended monsieur adrian i hope not he replied taken aback by a change in her manner as she asked the question if you mean easily offended by you certainly not easily hurt or easily pleased yes but not offended my darling me, 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 da! what is that that you said in english nothing you can look for it in the dictionary when i am gone but what am i to be offended at only this i want you to go away so soon yes i have not said anything to my mother yet she will question me the moment she sees me in this dress you must not be here then to-morrow you will call on her at four o'clock and all will be well now go i expect her every moment May i not see you before to-morrow afternoon why should you i go to-night to play at the house of a great dame lady geraldine porter who is the daughter of a nobleman and the wife of a baronet my mother loves to be among such people she will tell you all about our ancestry to-morrow aurlie i shall meet you there lady geraldine is mother's cousin and close friend on which account i have not sought much after her but she told me once that she would waste no more invitations on me i never accepted them but that i was welcome to come when i pleased i shall please to-night Aurelie. hurrah heaven you are all fire and flame in a moment you will remember that at lady geraldine's we are to be as we were before to-day you will behave yourself of course now go i beg of you if you delay you will what is the matter now it has just come into my mind that my mother may be at lady geraldine's if so would you mind in short do not let madame zizimplica speak to her of our engagement of course you will say nothing yourself not if you do not wish me to said aurlie drawing back a step you see my darling as i have not yet spoken to your mother it would be a great breach of etiquette for you or madame to pretend to know my intentions that is nonsense of course But you know how formal we are in this country. Oh, is that the reason? I am glad you told me, and I shall be very careful. So will my mother. Now go quickly. Au revoir. End of chapter eleven, recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.